The sports pen on ESPN-UP. Greetings and salutations to you. Tanner Hoops with you, and thanks for hanging out with us, as always. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with me, as usual. I'm starting to hear that the locals here, even the people who've lived here so long, are saying this is the worst winter they've ever seen it, and I don't have a lot of problem believing it. Yeah, I mean, I like I said when I got here, I'm pretty sure yesterday was the hardest it's consistently blown out in Scandia, and... Um, I can't remember this much snow on the ground either. I mean, obviously, if you go up to Houghton and stuff, then they get this much snow every year. But around here, it's, I think Carl Bonak was saying we're setting some snowpack records. Feels like we are, but we have the sports pen anyway. And, weather permitting, we've got high school basketball this evening. The Westwood Patriots visit the Manistique Emeralds in the first round of the Boys District Tournament. I'll be there with the play-by-play broadcast, 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off here on ESPN-UP. So we'll have Patriot basketball this evening, weather permitting. And that was a heck of a game you called last week, man. I, I was listening, that. sitting was, on the edge of my seat. That it was, was a great. fun one. It was a great game. It's too bad they couldn't pull it out. It but was. It was a fun one. Before we get into real sports and what have you, we're doing something new, something kind of fun on ESPN-UP this week. We are voting for our favorite sports movies of all time on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, at ESPN-UP. If you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter, and then follow us, and then vote for your favorite sports movie of all time. We are doing a full bracket, including 70 sports movies. This is a big-time tournament that we've got here. 70 different sports movies, because I could not narrow down the baseball regional to 16 movies. There's so many good baseball movies. I decided to have playing games in the baseball regional we've got a football regional a hockey slash basketball regional and then miscellaneous that includes golf soccer volleyball boxing wrestling all the above all of that is going to be voted on here over the course of the next week or so until we have a greatest sports movie of all time according to the ESPN UP Sports Pen listeners. So again, you can vote for that on Twitter. Voting is going to be open every day starting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon once we hit the air for the Sports Pen. It runs until midnight, so you've got 8 hours to vote. Four to midnight here on the East Coast, and today we're opening up the voting with the football regional. Charlie, want to hear the matchups? Of course. Here's what we got for football. We're going to do four matchups today and the bottom half of the football bracket tomorrow. So here are the matchups you get a vote on today. Necessary Roughness or Invincible? The Blind Side or Rudy? And those two shouldn't be meeting in the first round, I'll just say that. This was a completely blind draw to put matchups and pairings, what have you. So Necessary Roughness and Invincible, The Blind Side, or Rudy. Then you have Varsity Blues or Radio, and The Longest Yard or Friday Night Lights, another one that should be meeting in the first round. Those four can be voted on today on our Twitter page, at ESPNUP. Follow us, what have you. Make sure that we know what your favorite sports movie is of all time. Bottom half of the bracket we'll be voting on tomorrow. We are Marshall or North Dallas 40. Little Giants or Remember the Titans, Draft Day or The Replacements, and Gridiron Gang or Any Given Sunday. So those are the first round matchups in the football regional. We'll probably have somebody say, I can't believe you didn't put this movie in your bracket. Well, that movie's probably not popular enough that no one other than you would vote for it and probably wouldn't (laughs) have won anyway. So yeah, if you don't agree with the bracket, sorry, kind of, just vote. Just vote for the movies that we got. And and I think, just offhand, I'm not thinking of any that you missed from the start. Well, so. I appreciate that. I'm glad that we've got your support, thankfully, and hopefully we get our listeners as well. Voting is now open just past the 4 o'clock hour. Make sure to go to our Twitter, which is, again, at ESPNUP, and vote for your favorite movie. We will update the bracket every day until we have a champion. Again, if you're not on Twitter, make a Twitter. Follow us and vote for ESPN UP's all-time greatest sports movie. We've got actual sports to talk about, things that are happening in the here and now, huh? and we have plenty to go over from this weekend. It was a busy weekend. We were all snowed in. That gave us a chance to watch a little sports, a little sports drama, a little sports action going on. And yesterday, I know a lot of youpers and maybe even a little few trolls. I learned trolls is the name for people in downstate Michigan. I didn't know that because they're under the bridge. Yep. yep. Yeah, someone told me trolls is what they call them. I'd be insulted, but 
If they're okay with it, I'm okay with it. A lot of people were glued to their TV because Michigan played Michigan State yesterday in college men's basketball. And Michigan State comes away with a 77-70 win at Ann Arbor. That was Michigan's first home loss in their last 22 games there. And Michigan State comes away with a victory. It was a tight game until maybe midway through the second half. Michigan State started pulling away a little bit more. I was starting to write this Michigan State off to, uh, team off, to be honest with you, because I thought they're too shorthanded to make a run. Maybe not. Maybe not. This is a Michigan State team that's now first place in the Big Ten, and despite losing bodies, they just have the next guy step up. Yeah, and I, and I agree completely. I thought with the injuries, Michigan State was going to take a step back, but I guess their coaching is making up for it. Um, I've been hoping all along that Ethan Happ would win Big Ten Player of the Year, but I think it's going to be Cassius Winston, mm -hmm. and he had a fantastic game. Yeah, he really did. 27 points. Xavier Simpson had 19 in a losing effort for Michigan. So now the Spartans are on top of the Big Ten. They will climb the rankings. The only question is how far. I don't know where Michigan State's going to end up, though. When you look at it, they could win the Big Ten tournament. It wouldn't really surprise me if they did. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe they got bounced in the quarters, to be honest with you, because at some point, I just feel like their lack of bodies, their their health is going to be their downfall at some point. And I know I was starting to write them off a couple of weeks ago when uh, they lost you know, two of their key players, but they just keep reloading, and they're right there. Yeah, and this is also the time of the year where rotations start to really figure themselves out. Um, guys at the end of the rotation find themselves sitting on the pine a little bit more. So I guess that it, it all kind of works its way out. And then, like we said, with coaching, um, strategy, um, and, and guys guys can just play more minutes this time of year. There's not as many games to go. It's it's all hands on deck. and. But at the same time, a lot of teams are only playing seven, maybe eight-man rotations. So that can withstand, you know, earlier in the year when you're playing nine, ten guys, an injury seems a little more problematic. But once you get down to them seven, those seven main guys, and, and if they can really click together and if they really have chemistry, like apparently the guys at Michigan State are finding, um, they can do some damage. Michigan, I wonder what's in store for them coming up because they are at full strength and they lose to, albeit a really good Spartan team, a shorthanded Spartan team. So I don't know what the future holds for them. At one point, I thought Michigan was the best team in the country. I thought they deserved the number one ranking. And they're showing chinks in the armor here over the last few weeks. I don't know where this Michigan team is going to end up, but I'm not going to write them off because of what happened last year. I mean, let's be honest. They should have lost in the Big Ten tournament to Iowa. They shouldn't have won that game, and the Hawkeyes threw that one. And then Michigan State goes on a run all the way to the national championship game. I mean, I don't know that there were many people who thought Michigan really is the second best team in the country. They were hot at the right time, and that's what makes me think that there's still some hope for this Michigan team. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been disappointed with how Michigan fell off. I was hoping, even though I'm a Badgers fan, I was really hoping that Michigan would be that team, that great team that the Big Ten could have and, and would be the number one, would easily grab a number one seed for the Big Ten in in the tournament. And now now I don't know if any Big Ten team is going to get a number one seed. It doesn't look like it. Um, and, and, yeah, in the rankings, what is Michigan and Michigan State? They're probably about going to flip now in mm -hmm. the rankings. So it's just kind of disappointing. That's The Big Ten is just kind of beating up on itself right now. The Big Ten in basketball, as good as it was last year. The Big Ten in hockey, sending three to the Frozen Four. And now both of them have taken big steps back, it seems like, this season. And if you're the Big Ten, you're probably hoping that Michigan State is going to be the team that goes on the run, wins the tournament, so that they can have a shot at a number one seed. If State were to go the rest of the season, play the course, not have any bad losses, beat who they're supposed to, and look good most of the time doing it, if they win the Big Ten tournament, are they number one seed? Oh, geez, that's so tough. Isn't I know, because it's so tough to tough? say, because you need to know how everyone else is doing too. But right. would they be worthy of getting a number one seed if they win the Big Ten tourney? Oh, man. Yeah, if if they don't lose any more down the stretch and win the Big Ten tournament, then then for sure they'll be a number one seed. Um, hopefully they don't get n n just... 
you know, it's so easy for them to lose a game mm-hmm. towards the end of the Big Ten uh, regular season here, but they still got to play Michigan again. Exactly, and and if they win that again and then win the tournament, oh man, they'd almost have to be a number one seed in the. I think. So as maybe shaken as Michigan fans might be, that's probably the right word, shaken. They should not be as shaken as Tennessee fans, in my opinion. Is it an overreaction for me to say Tennessee has finally been exposed as a team that's not going to contend for a national championship? Yeah, and I think you were saying that last week. So, I just didn't think they were good. No, and I think you were right on. And not to change subjects, but, man, you were right on with the Lakers, too. Yeah. Falling right <laughs> out. And uh, they kept losing over the weekend, I believe. And But, yeah, it's... With it's so funny with basketball how teams can be so hot and then just get so cold at the mm-hmm. wrong time or get hot at the right time in the case of Michigan State and sometimes an injury uh, it's like addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about some big wins before we take a break. Talking about big basketball wins and maybe some teams getting on a stretch or doing something right. I know this is an overreaction by using getting hot and the New York Knicks in the same sentence, but they finally won a home game last night. They won their first home game since December the 1st. That snaps an 18-game losing streak at Madison Square Garden as they took down San Antonio 130-118. to I thought they were tanking, and then suddenly New York scores 130 points. Right, yeah, guys get hot and score 130 points. Um, It's just, I think basketball, even, even teams that aren't as good this year, um, even the teams that seem to be tanking, um, just with with how scoring is in the NBA, just the average game is more fun to watch now than it has been in a long time. So that's great to see. Obviously, <laughs> New York could have lost every home game for two years, and I wouldn't have felt bad about it. But um, good good for the fans. I mean, I really don't think it affects the team overall and what they're looking to do as far as bringing in free agents and I don't think it's really going to affect much they'll still get their free agents they win their 12th game of the year and they get mentioned on the Oscars I didn't see it I didn't watch any of the Oscars because I do not care but apparently they were mentioned on the Oscars so what a big night for the Knicks yeah, I know, and instead of watching, I, of course, did not watch the Oscars either, but there was some program going on on MLB Network where they, it, it was kind of their version of the Oscars handing out awards for baseball players, so I watched that instead. And we got some baseball talk coming up, but first, I've got a guest joining me on Headset Next, Grant Petoni, men's hockey coach at Northern Michigan. His team coming off a big weekend, joins me next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. We have a guest on headset with us, Grant Petoni, head hockey coach at Northern Michigan University. His team coming off a sweep of Lake Superior State over the weekend to capture the Capo Cup. Coach, as always, appreciate you taking the time. Congrats on a great weekend. Yeah, thanks, Tanner. Appreciate the time. 10 wins in your last 16 games. You sweep a rivalry series, end up getting a rivalry trophy. If you could, assess where your team is at right now as you get set for the final week of the regular season. Well, it's, it's kind of been a, um, a funny year that we, we've kind of had um, almost a tale of a couple different seasons. We struggled a little bit more out of the gates than we had hoped, um, especially scoring. And for whatever reason, that um, you know was an area that you know, we thought we'd we wouldn't have any any issues with and uh, then moving forward you know we, i thought we had a really good stretch through the middle of the year where you know we, we won six in a row and we were playing very good hockey and then uh kind of ran into a, a stretch where um you know playing minnesota state at home on uh, the friday night i thought we deserved a better fate um out shooting them by a wide margin and um you know just just couldn't seem to find the net and um, the next night we we just had one of those games where um, you know, everything seemed to be going in for them, and we couldn't buy a bounce. And I think that derailed us. And um, over a little bit of a stretch there, we uh, we were picking up points and, and winning some games, but I didn't think we were playing great. Um, and last weekend, you know, coming off the Bemidji series, where I know the guys were uh, real disappointed with the outcomes of the games, um, was was the best complete weekend we've had. Uh, they're a very good hockey team, and. I thought, you know, in a lot of areas, you know, we were as strong as we've been in, in 
puck management and, and the structure of the game. Uh, and you, know, you always talk about you know not beating yourselves, and uh, we had a little bit of trouble with that uh, in some of our losses. But uh, this last weekend, I, I thought we made the game extremely easy on ourselves, and by doing so, you can make the game challenging on your opponent. Well, Coach, Denver Pierce, a Sioux native, talked about playing his hometown team, and he said his team didn't care who was scoring it. They just wanted to go out and get the win. Did you feel like you've tweaked anything to try and uh, re-energize your offense like they have been, or did your guys just want it more? Well, we, we spent a lot of time last week on uh, scoring goals, and, and for the first time uh, any team I've ever had, we actually – asked the guys to keep a tally of, of the goals they scored in practice, and we handed out an award for the uh, forward of the week and the defenseman of the week. And um, You know, kind of a little fun with it called the forward, the Rocket Richard Award. Uh, gave a little uh, rocket out to the, the guy that scored the most goals as a forward. And, um, had the defenseman keep their tallies and gave out the Bobby Orr Award. Had a little miniature Orr handed out. So, um, you know, kind of just something to – uh, number one, bear down in practice because you know that you're keeping a tally. But but two, just lighten the mood a little bit. I I thought um, you know we 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 have such a, a good team and um, competitive guys that you know sometimes when things aren't going well, um, you know you you can um, you can squeeze the stick a little bit, and it's no different than any other sport, whether it's basketball, when you get a wide open shot, and you, you just haven't made them. Uh, sometimes just taking a step out of it. And, and having fun and, and filling the net during practice can can be really useful for a team that um, needs a little bit of confidence. And, and I thought that um, you know, obviously on the weekend scoring uh, nine goals was um, you know it, it, the guys actually um, really enjoyed it and executed on the weekend. Well, coach, one weekend left until the tournament. Your team sits third place in the conference standings, two points behind Bowling Green and three ahead of Lake State, who sits in fourth. Tell me about the state of the WCHA right now. Give me your assessment on that group because pretty tightly packed two through six. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I do think that um, Minnesota State has, um, you know, kind of separated themselves from the pack at the top. And, and maybe a couple uh, of teams below the sixth-place spot have separated themselves on the other side of it. But, um, you know, two through six is, is going to be a bear, um, kind of no matter where you, you end up finishing. And, and obviously for us, it, the importance of, of playing at home is, is enormous. So um, you love to try sneak into that two-hole. Um, you know, want to make sure you finish in the top four. And, you know, you just – it's such a funny year, league, and, and every year that – the standings are so tight that you have no idea. Um, you know, you just you need to control the games in front of you, and you know, you, there's just there's just such such parity in our league that um, you know anybody can uh, can beat anybody on a given night. And with the standings the way they are, uh, we got to be prepared to, to have a real great game on Friday up in up in Houghton, and um, you know, haven't won a game there uh, since I've been the coach here. So. You know, we got to make sure that uh, we prepare at, at a very high level this week to, to go up there and give ourselves the best chance to, to win a game on the road up in, um, up in Holden. Well, Coach, I want to talk about the Michigan Tech series, but putting the finishing touches on the Lake State weekend, you win the Capo Cup. Tell me about that rivalry. I know it's your second edition of it as the head coach here at Northern, but take me inside the Capo Cup rivalry from the bench perspective. There's not very times that many times in, in athletics that you get to play for a trophy and you know that that trophy is um, is very important to our program very important to our players uh, year in year out and with the significance the last couple of years that, that I've been part of it um, having a player from the Sioux is uh, I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective on that uh, growing up in Grand Forks and, and playing for the, the biggest rival uh, Minnesota you know I always felt like Going back uh, to Grand Forks or even playing um, North Dakota in our rink, I always felt like my teammates really played hard and, and wanted to win uh, for themselves, but obviously wanted to win because they knew how important and, and how special it was for me. And uh, we really had that feel for Denver. You know, you, for all the things that, that we've gone through this year, he's been the glue that's kept us together, and he's done a phenomenal job as the captain. Um, you know, so we, we wanted to really win that trophy for him. And, you know, send him out as a senior, uh, being able to accept that trophy from Dr. Erickson at, at center ice was was a pretty special moment for for our program and for Denver. And um, you know that as much as standings and 
um, playing well and all those things matter. You know, at the end of the day, uh, when you got a really tight, tight uh, knit group, you want to win for your brothers and your teammates, and um, that was really important to our guys this weekend. Well, Coach, Michigan Tech to round out the regular season coming up this weekend, Friday night there, Saturday night here. They started off the season really well, especially in conference play and maybe tapered off a little bit. What are you expecting from the Huskies on Friday? Well, you know, I I think that the fact that they started out the way they did shows you the caliber of team that they are. And all of us uh, end up going through miniature funks within the season that, you know, whether you can't score, you don't get goaltending or um, whatever the reason may be, um, you know, they had a little bit of a funk just like we did, you know, looking at their scores last week and I haven't seen the tape yet, but um, looked like they played very well, um, two strong games, had lots of shots on that. Um, You know, they're they're a team that um, is always going to play us hard and, and, you know, wherever, you know, this year I think the teams are very similar. very balanced kind of um, you know equal type teams and um, even in a, in a scenario where one year maybe one of us was um, having a better year than the other one you know you can throw that right out the window in a rivalry game and you know the, the thing that's important is you know managing emotion um, trying to get the game started off on, on the right foot whether it's you know spending time in their end and, and trying to win the turf war or scoring first or um you know, whatever the case may be, blocking shots to get the bench alive. You know, in games like this, the sooner you can kind of have things go your way, that um, the better likelihood for the success that you're looking for to uh, happen. So we got to make sure that, you know, we control all the things that we control. And, and, you know, just like we did this weekend with puck management structure and those things and make people go 200 feet because uh, Friday night is, is going to be a very challenging environment. Like I said, we haven't won there. Um, you know, in, in uh, the last two times we've played there, so uh, or three times we've played there, so I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to another crack at it, and I know our guys are too. Well, Coach, they're a team that's played three different goaltenders at times this season. Is there any question who they might have in net, or are you expecting Jeruzic? I would think they're going to play Jeruzic. I, I think he's, um, you know, he's probably uh, shown that, you know, that, that he's, um, gain the confidence of the coaches and the players and um, I would think that that's uh, the player they're going to start on Friday night um, you know all, all three of them I think are very quality goalies so it really doesn't matter who they start because there's not I don't think there's one that um, is weaker than the other one so you know they, they have a, um, a luxury of, of three great goaltenders and um, you know I expect to see Jerusalem on, on Friday but uh, we'll be prepared for, for whoever they play well, Coach, I know you want to get the two wins this weekend, but fundamentally, what do you want to see from your team to give you some confidence going into the tournament, that you know you're going to the postseason on the right foot? You know, it's something we talked about last week is as much as you want to win the games, um, you know, what I was looking for was for us to play well. You know, two two games where we play well, because you, you talk about the parity in the league, and um, even even if you're on the road or even if you're at home to start the playoffs, it, it that yes is nice to be at home but um, if you're not playing well you know you, you can get yourself in trouble uh, even if you're at home and, and should you have to go on the road if you're playing great hockey um, you know you could survive in advance and, and you don't have to look much farther than last season where uh, Michigan Tech played every game in the playoffs on the road so it, the biggest thing is is finding some consistency I, I think our, our our second so-called second line of Locker, Nardi and Reedman has played very well the last you know, probably 10 or 12 games and uh, sticking that uh, line together of, of Loggins, Rockwood, and Pierce that was so dangerous last year. Uh, we tried it early in the year. You know, sometimes you you try to go back to things that have worked in the past and for whatever reason, they, they just don't click. Um, you know, I felt this weekend that, um, you know, they, they had a phenomenal weekend. Um, you know, I think on Saturday they combined for – uh, something like nine points and, and four goals, and Rockwood had four assists. And you know, it was one of those um, kind of weekends where you know you couldn't wait to get them back on the rink because they were just playing so well. Um, and those guys are, are going to be very important because now you know you, you get to the, the, the depth of your lineup. And you know, I, I do think that Lovin and, and Kalia as freshmen have played a really hard, heavy type of style of game, um, very consistent throughout, throughout the course of the year. And, and putting Darian Craighead there. You know, can make that line dangerous because of his skill set. 
So I, I do like our lines up front. Um, you know, I, I think Luke Folden playing center as, as you know, kind of solidifying that that other line has has played a lot of hockey for us, and you know that's the most important forward position. And you know, we we did have some success last weekend without our probably our top defensive defenseman and, and James Vermeule, and then James is going to be back this weekend. So, um, you know, I, I do think we're in a good spot. Um, has uh, been been playing very well all season. So, um, you know, we just need to build on it because it it this league is in this sport is a is a week to week day to day deal. Um, you know, we got to make sure that we prepare each day so that, you know, we come out next weekend and, and, and have some success. Rapitoni, head men's hockey coach at Northern Michigan. His team getting set to close a regular season this weekend, Friday at Houghton, Saturday at home. Coach, appreciate the time as always. All the best this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Tanner. We'll take a timeout. More in the sports pen after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Charlie Bramer back with us. Here is your Sports Center update. The Detroit Red Wings have traded Gustav Nyquist to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a 2019 second-round draft pick and a third-rounder in 2020. Manchester City won their second consecutive League Cup yesterday morning when they took down Chelsea in penalty kicks. And finally, Saturday night on their way home from Omaha, the St. Cloud State men's hockey team bus was left stranded due to impassable roads near St. James, Minnesota. The county sheriff arrived to help the team, but they were unable to dig the bus out, so the sheriff takes the entire team to the county jail, fed them, housed them there for the night until they could get back on the road on Sunday. You can't make this stuff up. A hockey team fresh off clinching the conference championship at Omaha on their way back home can't get through. The sheriff comes and digs them out. Well, he rescues them. Couldn't get the bus out till the next day. So the team spends the night in a county jail, eating jail food, taking pictures with the conference championship cup and with the jail staff and what have you. You can't make this stuff well, up. I hope none of those guys got too too good of an impression on on jail. I hope they're not thinking it's that uh, it's that nice if they have to go back. Could you imagine if they had to wake the athletic director up at like 2 in the morning saying the entire team's in jail and the mini heart attack he probably had before they gave him some context? <laughs> that could make for a pretty good practical joke, couldn't it? So they had to get back on the road on Sunday, but there was a whole thread on Twitter that the assistant coach for the team was putting up pictures of the squad eating jail food, taking pictures with the staff, with the conference trophy, and it was something you just can't make up. But the roads are pretty bad down there in southern Minnesota. I'm thankful that everybody was okay. They were fed and everything. But what a way to spend your conference championship celebration night in a jail cell. Well, and I'm wondering, I mean, would it have been that much worse to just sleep on the bus? I don't, I don't know if that was... A, I know they said, or at least the coach said on Twitter, the toilet was starting to fill up, so maybe that had something to do with it. I bet. I bet. So, uh, they wanted to get out and go somewhere and ended up going to the jail. And they were housed there for the night and everyone's safe, which we're happy to report. Don't forget you can vote on our Twitter page at ESPN-UP for your favorite sports movie of all time. Voting is open from now until midnight for the first section of the football regional. It's at ESPN-UP on Twitter. We've got baseball to talk about. Baseball with spring training getting underway. And Charlie, I have the feeling you're someone who watches spring training religiously. I watch as much spring training baseball as I can. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, this time of year you're seeing players, um, a, a lot of top 20s in organizations as far as prospects get playing time, and you see how they stack up against major league talent. And a lot of times, uh, the first week or two of spring training, uh, those prospects come in and, and they're really chomping at the bit, and, and they're the ones that start off looking so good. They look like they should have no problem making the team, which, of course, they won't but they they do everything they can with the opportunity they're provided. It's a lot of fun to watch. Give me your assessment of the Brewers early on, now that you've had a little bit of a look at them. Um, well, the Cubs fed off their pitching, so not much new there. Mm. Um, but Aaron Perez is swinging a hot bat. Um, they've got Corey Ray is just looking like he's ready for the majors, which obviously he's not. He's just one of those guys, like I mentioned before, um, 
and uh, they they look. Ah, geez, it's just so hard to tell, you know. But they they look like they're doing what they need to do to get ready for for uh, the regular season. They don't look like they're coming out of the gates too hot. Sometimes in spring training, teams really come out and try to prove something. There is absolutely nothing to be proved in spring training, and teams that do that can oftentimes burn out uh, in the regular season. So I like what they're doing. A lot of guys haven't even played yet. So, But, but the guys that have and, and guys like Aaron Perez that are kind of battling for playing time in the regular season, they're, they're looking pretty good. Well, the Brewers will have a strong relief core. Same as last year. They had some good guys coming out of that bullpen. But ESPN just ranked their top 30 relief pitchers in baseball. And Milwaukee landed three of them, two of them in the top 10. You had Josh Hader come in at number two. Corey Knable was number seven. And Jeremy Jeffress was 23rd. Charlie, your thoughts on that group? I would think that Jeremy Jeffress and Corey Knable could be switched. I think so. That big of a jump. Definitely. Um, Corey Knable had a horrible what was that june july he got demoted to triple a and how often is that a guy gets demoted to triple a and then a month of redemption and he's back in the top 10 of his position um so i mean good for him that just goes to show what kind of a cannon he has um did you by chance see um how many players the brewers had in the top 100 did you see the top 100 list they had six guys in the top 100 only one pitcher that kind of surprised me um i was kind of unable to look and see count up you know obviously the yankees and some other teams have mm-hmm. quite a few players but i was just really surprised guys like travis shaw and jesus aguilar were pretty high up in the top 100 so you, you just kind of like to see the smaller market team getting that recognition um were there any other teams that had three or more relievers on that list? So. so I've been saying I really think the Brewers relief core, obviously their starting pitching isn't going to be anything spectacular. If they can just hold an ERA in the high threes and then that relief core, I think it has a chance to be one of the better ones in history, if not the best of all time. Well, you mentioned the small market team compared to big markets like New York and what the Yankees have. One of my friends who's a Yankees fan Snapchat me this morning. He was upset that the Yankees signed Aaron Hicks to a seven-year, $70 million deal. He's like, how are we going to pay Hicks when we still owe money to Andujar and all these other players? And I'm like, a Yankees fan right. wondering how you're going to pay your players Please stop talking to me. Right. Look at all the... Everybody's got a Yankee... You can go any town in any small town even in America. You will find at least one person wearing a Yankees hat. Mm -hmm. That is how they pay for all these players. And I'm just kind of surprised. Also, looking at these rankings, you know, you look at... It's kind of questionable that Corey Knable, after having that fall off last year, is still in the top ten of all relievers as far as rankings go. They've got, in, in the top 100 players, they have Clayton Kershaw ranked ahead of Blake Snell, the American League Cy Young Award winner. So some of these rankings, I'm a little, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning them a little, to say the least. That's tough to to knock against Kershaw, though, because I know he struggled last year in the postseason. Maybe postseason Kershaw needs to be ranked way down there, but I mean, he's got some good stuff. He's still got it, and it's nothing against Blake Snell. He did a fantastic job on a not very good Rays team last season. But I like both of those, two. I don't know if I'd have a problem with putting Kershaw above him. To be honest, I like Kershaw. It's kind of funny because even Aaron Nola and Corey Kluber, uh, Justin Verlander are all ranked ahead of Blake Snell, right ahead of him. And he just the dominant year he had. I, I think he's getting the short end of the stick because playing for Tampa Bay it's but but that's being the case right there I think makes a good case for him uh because what they only have like three starters every Mm -hmm. second or every third day uh they're they're what are they calling an initial out getter an opener yeah so for them to have really the best starter in the American League um well he won the Cy Young 
he didn't get the short end of the stick there, but he's getting it a little bit in these rankings. But I think he's happy with his Cy Young Award. I will agree with you about Aaron Nola. I like Aaron Nola a lot, but I don't think he should be ranked ahead of Snell. That's very strange. I would pick Verlander and Kluber over Snell. If I wanted them on my team, as good as Snell is, it's nothing against him. I just don't know how you go against Verlander, man. That guy's still got it. He still has it. And, and the thing is, Blake Snell statistically had a better year than these guys last year. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he could even take another step forward. Oh, with, I think he could, too. With how good he really is. I think he could be the best starter in baseball um, if he can keep it consistent. So, And, and he, he throws. It's just so he's one of those fun pitchers to watch. Kind of like Kershaw. Or, or, yeah, a lot like Kershaw with the big sweeping uh, curveball that just looks like it's falling off a tabletop. Um there, there are a lot of starting pitchers in this top 100 list. It's kind of surprising. I tell you what, before we go to break, let's switch over to Bryce Harper and then Max Scherzer, a couple of former teammates. Well, we would think. Bryce Harper apparently in serious negotiations with the Philadelphia Phillies. The owner was in Vegas over the weekend trying to court Harper, and apparently they are in serious talks. I know our own Rachel Zerby, a friend of the show, has been waiting for months on end for Harper to sign with Philadelphia. She's a Philly native, and she just can't wait for the day it finally happens. But now the Dodgers are emerging as another serious contender to try and get Harper, except this would be a short-term deal. I'm going to tell you this. I don't think Rachel has any reason to be worried about the Dodgers. I think Scott Boris, the agent for Bryce Harper, is just trying to get the Phils to put out more money by saying, look, you have competition. This is going to be a bidding war. But I don't think Harper's willing to go anywhere, even for the Dodgers, uh, to play for the Dodgers on a short-term deal. I think this is his agent saying, there's competition out there. If you want Harper, let's give him the most money that you can. I don't think the Dodgers are a real threat to land Harper. I I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think the Dodgers would be a bigger threat for Machado. Um, But... But but really, you know, the whole Bryce Harper deal, they're obviously just waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's like you say, the agents are taking phone calls. They might have, I mean, they might just pick up the phone and be talking to ghosts just to make it look like there's competition. I cannot believe he hasn't signed somewhere yet. Apparently, these guys aren't very worried about getting very many spring training at-bats. Um, and with the year Harper had last year, you'd think he'd want to come in as prepared as ever. Well, I tell you what, Max Scherzer had a few comments on the pitch clock. He doesn't like the idea. He says that by implementing a pitch clock like they've done in spring training, like they've talked about doing the regular season games, that it would mess with the fabric of baseball. I agree with him completely. I do agree with him. Uh, it, it is such a mind game up there, and... You know, the average fan just isn't going to probably appreciate that mind game. And and guys can fast pitch hitters, and they should be able to, you know, slow it up a little bit on the hitter. Hitters can still call time. Stuff can still be done. The game will remain slow. It's not like it's all of a sudden going to become a track race out there. It's just, it's kind of nice to see baseball at least trying to do something to... Uh, reflect the fact that we are in the 21st century. I just don't think that's it, though. I think there are some ways to win back the younger generation. I'm not sure, honestly, what that would be. I don't know that there's a way to convert someone directly into being a diehard baseball fan. I don't think there is a casual baseball fan anymore. I just don't. You know, People are no. going to have to love baseball to watch it, and I don't know that a pitch clock is going to do it. I think that just messes with what we already have. Yeah, I really don't think a pitch clock's going to do it. It's it's like I just keep on saying, I just like baseball. I like to see him do something. And in, in all reality, to hardcore baseball fans out there, this is not going to be enforced. Even if there is a very, very strict clock, I, that thing's going to be going off. That thing's going to be flashing double zeros in red, and there'll still be pitchers out there walking around. I, I mean, umpires don't like this stuff. I mean, they probably disapprove of it more than the players. So it, it's not going to be super, super enforced. It, it's not that big of a deal. And like you say, there is not a casual baseball fan, except for when the playoffs come around. That, that's basically when the casual baseball fan comes out and watches playoff baseball. And as long as baseball has really good ratings in playoffs like they have the last several years, they're, they're going to be in great shape. 
Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, things have gone from bad to worse for one particular NBA franchise. They've already fired their coach, they've lost one of their best players, and now they're cursed. Over the weekend, a curse was put on them. Details next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Don't forget, weather permitting, Westwood Patriot boys basketball this evening. Opening up the district tournament at Manistique. 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip right here on ESPN-UP and online with our app. Well, an NBA team just got cursed over the weekend. Things have gone from bad to worse for this squad. I'm not talking about the curse. I don't believe in curses. It's just something for us news pundits to talk about. But the Minnesota Timberwolves already fired Tom Thibodeau. They had the whole Jimmy Butler saga last fall. They end up losing him to Philadelphia. And now they've been cursed by rapper Ja Rule. He came out at halftime when the Wolves were playing the Bucks over the weekend and he performed while wearing a 1990s Bucks Ray Allen jersey. It was pretty slick. I have one of those jerseys. It was a good by look. The way. Those are awesome jerseys. You gotta wear it here sometime soon. I will. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah, wear it. Uh, like what was that show? Stump the Schwab. Remember back? Did you yep. ever watch Stump the Schwab? I do remember that. Love that. How we'd always wear a jersey <laughs> in the studio. Yep. But anyway, Jerule comes out and performs at halftime of the Wolves and Bucks game over the weekend, and he's clearly rooting for the Bucks. The Wolves took a little bit of exception to it as they mock him a little bit on Twitter with his own lyrics. They tweet back his lyrics and kind of mock him in a way. So then he responds to the Timberwolves Twitter account that they've made a big mistake, that the curse of Ja Rule is now on them, Carl Anthony Towns is going to leave, just like Jimmy Butler did, and that if they apologize, then he'll lift the curse. Then he put the kiss face emoji and said, the kiss of death. So things just go from bad to worse for the Timberwolves. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't want to be on any rapper's bad side. You don't know what those guys are going to do, but I, I don't think he has the power to... Uh, I think the Wolves will curse themselves before <laughs> Ja Rule will be cursing anybody. Although, they've, I mean, I've been, they got some really good bench players. And uh, obviously, Flip Saunders' son, I believe his name is Ryan Saunders. Mm -hmm. His coaching style, it kind of seems to be fitting this team, at least offensively. Yeah. Um, they've been having no problem getting the ball in the bucket. Guys like Anthony Tolliver, yeah. Derek Rose. I don't know if you watched that Bucks game. They did not have an answer for Derek Rose off the bench. And I think if he would have played more, the Bucks might have lost that game. But it, it's this is just one of those funny, silly things. And uh, obviously, Ja Rule is hoping. You know, it, it's like have have some cojones and and curse a really good team if you're gonna you can't just curse a, a sub 500 team and then when they keep losing say that it's you it'd be more convincing yeah. if you curse the bucks yeah which obviously don't we don't need to get crazy here but yeah if he's gonna curse a team you know curse the warriors and then we'll see how much cursing power you really have I don't believe in any of it. I just think it's fun for us pundits to be able to talk about. Right. It's definitely not true, but yeah, it might get into, uh, you don't think the curse was in Moises Alou's head oh when, back in the pub? <laughs> I mean, there have been some curses that, and and hey, what is that, uh, Night Train Lane, or who who cursed the Lions, and they haven't won anything in such a long time? But, Will be the rapper yep. versus the Thunder a few years ago, right? And and the Thunder are good enough. I I don't think there's any curse on them. Um, it seems like its former players have the power to curse teams. I don't know about rappers. Well, I tell you what. Here's your stat of the day: the Bucks won that game one forty to one twenty eight. Milwaukee has scored one hundred forty points or more six times since Giannis was born. Five of them have been this season. Yep, and I just that is a great stat. They've scored under over 140 points, like you said, six or five times this year. Um, I believe they've scored under 100 three times, mm -hmm. um, under 90 twice. So this team is just unreal offensively. And I was kind of irked because um, 
the Timberwolves got uh, two points. Just you know, it was a last-second garbage layup, and I'm like, oh man, there goes the Bucks' net rating. But hey, you know, the stats, the stats will work themselves out, I suppose, with a team that good. The Bucks won their first game when scoring less than 100 points last week when they beat the Celtics 98-97. to Celtics had a terrible loss over the weekend. I checked that score, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me yep. when they lose to the Chicago Bulls. I, Kyrie Irving, after the game, said that he wasn't too discouraged. He said that he still doesn't think anybody can beat them in a seven-game series. I'll say this. This has been such a roller coaster season for me as a Celtics fan. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Eastern Conference. I still think they've got all the talent there, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the first round. Wow, you know, and that's the, isn't that the Celtics right now? Because you know the talent is there. Mm -hmm. um, if guys like Jason Tatum just start getting hot from three again all of a sudden like they were last year, but then you look at a team like the Bucks. All of a sudden, Nikola Mirotic is out there scoring 17 points, blocking shots. Brooke Lopez is still shooting it from half court. I mean, other teams improved, and the Celtics are just kind of spinning their wheels. But when it comes to playoff time, I, I so are you picking the Celtics out of the East? Not yet. I need to Who's, see a little bit more. I think we're going to learn a lot about these guys in the next 20 games. But right now, the favorite's got to be Milwaukee. I love to hear it because... I, I I think a Milwaukee Warriors finals is going to be fantastic, and that not that, for the NBA. I, they would hate it. I would love it. Um, and and obviously the it'd be great for the city of Milwaukee, the state of Wisconsin. I really think the Rockets have a good chance of beating the Warriors in the playoffs. Do you? And I, I think a Rockets Bucks finals. Uh, it'd be Bucks and six for sure. Uh, the Warriors are obviously much more scary in the finals. Um, but there are still, I mean, there are teams like Philadelphia, just these teams have so much talent. It's like, oh my goodness. And, and even teams at the bottom of the, in the Eastern conference, you know, who's going to be this, the seventh, eighth seed teams like the magic and, and, and the wizards have talent. I mean, I don't. Detroit still got the playoff push. Detroit still has the playoff push. What they've won six out of their last seven games now. They're now. getting a click. Unlike the Red Wings, they are not sellers. Right. Red Wings yeah. are selling with the trade deadline ahead of They are selling off Nyquist. Yep, doing what they need to do for the future. Um, but that Eastern Conference man is just so solid. So it's really surprising to see that the Bucks are having the win winning percentage that they do, considering the conference is so good. It's like the Eastern and Western Conference have just all of a sudden switched talent pools and here we are right now i think milwaukee's the favorite but i might say boston is number two to be honest with you they've had philadelphia's number for whatever reason they've just been able to beat philadelphia whenever they square off with each other philly doesn't have the depth that milwaukee or boston has and neither does toronto and i think that's going to hurt down the stretch yeah and and toronto really 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 was doing anything they could to get better. And I, I thought they traded some guys where they got better talent-wise, but a guy like Valanchunas, man, he was beloved on that roster, and mm -hmm. he was a fan favorite. And, you know, some of that has to go in to factor when you're making trades. And and I don't know, is Marcus Gasol really that much better for that team than Valanchunas? He's a lot older. He's a lot older. In, in the talents there, he can shoot from the outside a little bit now, but I just I just think they kind of they kind of got nervous and were just pulling the trigger on trades to do anything to get better talent wise. But I think they actually ended up hurting their team. Um, man, the Thunder are even scary in the West. If Paul George keeps playing as good as he is, and if Russell Westbrook can be consistent and and can be a finisher. But but Milwaukee is just they they're just such a good scoring team. The Pacers without Oladipo, if they had Victor Oladipo, they might still be in the conversation. Obviously, they're still a good team. They'll probably win a playoff series, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to hold with a team like the Celtics or Milwaukee throughout a seven-game series. You talked about the Lakers early and all the dysfunction that they've gone through. Reportedly, Saturday night they left without Luke Walton. They left without their head coach on the bus. Yikes. That just kind of sums up how everything's gone for the Lakers this year. Yeah, and, and LeBron James claims he's flipped on playoff mode, whatever the heck that means. I don't think it's going to be enough 
that Western Conference, there's some teams playing really good. The Kings are playing really good. The Kings whooped the the Lakers. Teams like the Clippers are playing well. I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I thought at best at the beginning of the season they'd at best finish sixth in the East. And and there were so many guys. Stephen A. Smith is saying they had a chance to win the West. I mean, there were so many credible people saying how good they thought the Lakers were going to mm-hmm. be. And, and and obviously everybody in this room did not see that happening. And and I'm just glad. And, and let's toot our horns a little bit here and say we were right. The Lakers missed their opportunity to win the West when Paul George re-signed with Oklahoma City. Exactly what happened. And they just didn't have – they just don't have the talent. I mean, it's just not there. And if LeBron was a little bit better of a shooter – if he was like a Kevin Durant caliber shooter, I I might give him a better chance, but he just has to do too much physically to be that dominant scorer. And with so many games left in the season and in his age, eventually that's going to catch up to him. And if anything, if I, if I was a Lakers fan, I would kind of want him to just let's just tune it down this year and and save LeBron James's legs for next year when maybe he's got an Anthony Davis or someone to help him out. Let's save a year on his on his wheels, you know? Where will Anthony Davis end up? I'm still hoping that there's a shot for Boston to land him. I don't know what they're going to have to give up to do it. I wonder if that has something to do with Jason Tatum and maybe how he's not performing the way he was last season with all the rumors that he could be on the move. And I miss Scary Terry from last season. Right now, the only thing scary about him is that he's in a Celtics uniform playing like this. I don't, yeah. I wonder if Eric Bledsoe is scared of Scary Terry at all. Probably not, knowing Eric Bledsoe. I'm sure he's not. But hey, everybody forgets. Anthony Davis said he'd happily play for Milwaukee. And the Bucks have so many players that are, there's going to be so much movement there this offseason. There's going to be a lot of money available, but a lot of players having to be resigned. They're going to be another one of these teams that are in the running for an Anthony Davis or top-notch player. There is so many possibilities. It, we could just, I mean, we could have a whole show about that. Where are these guys going to end up? Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We are out of time. We've got Westwood Patriot boys basketball coming up this evening, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock tip, right here on ESPN-UP and online with our app. Appreciate you as always. Looking forward to next week. Thanks a lot, Tanner. I appreciate it. You have a safe drive to Manistique. I'm thinking as long as you make it down Shires Hill safely, 41 will be clear for you the rest of the way. Hey, let's hope so. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. Thanks for tuning in. Back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.